in theory, like you're there for one of these things. And if you're not there networking with people and you're not there going to the seminars, like you're walking around a trade show, are you really taking, I guess you are taking an entire day just to accumulate pens and like post-it pens? I believe, I I honestly believe people are, yes. Building a successful real estate career requires you to adapt, pivot, and constantly master new skills. We're Katie and Daniel Steinfeld. We've built our own innovative brokerage. And in this podcast, we've assembled actionable tips and strategies that you can implement to take your business to its maximum potential. It's time to level up. Level up. Hello. Everybody. Hello. Oh, that's sorry. That was a that was a good uh that was like I straight out of like I was gonna say a Disney movie, but that's uh oh yeah. It was like it had that high pitched thing going on where it's like I so, know I didn't mean to go that high, but like friendly singing. You know me. God, what? Death. I know I said, you. If you know me, my voice is my singing voice is not one of my strengths. So but but before we get into today's episode, that's a great segue into our kids seem to think differently based on one of your Mother's Day presents. It's true. So it was like there what was it? It was like 40 pages I, of I different think... isms about you. I know as they had they had writer's block, I guess. I also think they were making fun of me. I don't think they were making fun of you. It was it was one of those books where like each page was like mad libs about things about you. And mm-hmm. anytime there was a kind of lapse and something useful to say, they just said, you're a really good singer. Because <laughs> I think Lies. each of them, at least, and they filled it out separately. It's not like they were together chuckling about calling you a good singer. So weird. Maybe least, because I don't sing very much. So. so maybe they just like, maybe she sings good. I don't know. I don't think you're a ter- terrible singer. You're not... You're not good, like, <laughs> but but you're not you're not like nails on a chalkboard. I just can't hold a to- like. I my my tone is that what it is? I don't know. I just like I, I've think got that, problems. Like, if you hit the right note, you fly off of it quickly. I just think you're. Oh sort of- no, I can't hit notes. Like I just can't hit the right notes. I don't know what the notes are. I think. Yeah. But Maybe I'm also you... very nervous. So when you're nervous, you hold back on singing. Like I'm not saying I'm a good singer by any stretch, but you're, you're I feel like mark. when I'm like in the car singing, my singing that voice is a little bit, a little you, slightly better. Do you sing in the car when you're by yourself? Sometimes. Like I wail. I feel like we've talked about that on this show before, but I don't Maybe. sing in front of you guys really. Do I? Not really. No, not at all. I did yesterday at the kids' concert. I was just like screaming when they were playing. Like, although it wasn't really singing, it was like MC Hammer. It was like weird old school songs on the kids' yeah. concert. I was it loving was it. Good. It was. It was the best. It was spectacular. <laughs> so uh, prior to that concert, we had just returned home from a few days at Canada's largest real estate conference and trade show. Hmm. And we're we're gonna chat about that today. Not so much about the conference itself and what it represented, but more about learnings, takeaways, big lessons, isms, things. Mm-hmm. We, had, we had different experiences there. We were both there in different capacities, and didn't really yeah. see much of each other at all. Oh, it's busy. It's a busy couple of days. Well, you were there the full time. I showed up halfway through the first day. It was a two day conference, so. In brain fog for at least half of that time, though. So I can only speak to the parts of the conference where my mind was in a good place. 
which is about as much time as you were there. Okay. So, so the rest yeah. of the time, I'm not going to share learnings about staying up too late in hotel rooms. Well, no. the learning is, I, I think it's sort of inherent in what I just said. Don't do that if you don't have to. It's not worth it. Doesn't, doesn't play well the next morning. No. But um, yeah, this was a, it was an interesting, uh, it was the first time it was the RealtorQuest conference held by the Toronto Regional Real Estate Board in Toronto. And it was the first one that's been done in four years. We were actually a booth at the last one in 2019. Right which was funny. And I'm I saw glad that. we weren't this time. <laughs> Actually, I was part of a booth. You so. were part of it. So was I, yeah. we were still but in booths, but it wasn't our I know. booth. I know. It's just like when you're, when you're running a booth the whole time, it really doesn't allow you to do much, much else, unfortunately. So good though, because this one, yeah. Like in addition to the trade show element, which was humongous, but really, I don't think either of us took in any of it. Like I, I didn't really go or speak I walked to any around, but yeah. I didn't. There was so uh, much. I kept, you know what? Every time I was going around, I felt like I was in a rush to go somewhere else. And so I never made eye contact with anybody that was at the booth. I felt like the moment you made eye contact, you were like sucked in. And yeah, I don't know. We, we like, had places I, to go because it was it was a busy event. Like there was so much was. good stuff there. So this isn't to take anything away from the event. It's just, we weren't there for the, we want to buy things element. And we weren't there to um, get recruited. Right. Although somebody That's did try true. to ask if I was looking for a new brokerage, I politely uh, declined. Really? I yeah. had somebody call me the other day and ask me if I wanted to join their brokerage. I'm like, the broker of record. Did you consider it? No, I didn't. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry. We'll edit that in our notes moving forward. So yeah. I feel like people need to update their call lists or something just to make oh, sure they're. It's so automated. Like the calls we get and the, e like there's emails constantly which is just yeah. lists but like the way that they approach us with the you know like are we struggling in our business and like are we mm. like like just look at look at what we do i mean we're not important well no just look at look at the title like i mean do a little bit of research on the person you're calling and don't just oh, call every yeah. name on the list yeah exactly but anyway that's a discussion for another episode maybe it about is how we can yes. scrub our lists and whatnot but let's get back to uh, this event and the cool stuff that happened. I mean, I just kind of want to jump into different learnings I had, but they're all kind of specific. And a lot of them came from speakers who were there. Some interesting mm -hmm. stuff that I took. I don't know if we want to go more high level first, or if there's anything else that you did, um, or even just kind of conference-esque advice. I know last week we talked about how to conference right and how to learn right and how to approach mm -hmm. things. Yeah. Um, in a responsible way. We've now just gone through it, both of us, as did some of our agents and like 10,000 other people in this city. And yeah. it did look like some were doing it the right way. It looked like many were doing it in the way that we talked about last week, just kind of being there to be there. And they're going to be at another one and another one mm -hmm. and grab the free stuff and whatever. Um, but what about you? What was uh, experience wise? Like, what would you take from from it? Um, I think, well, first and foremost, I think it was just about the people. Um, I was telling people when I first got there, I, I showed up the like midday or like around two o'clock the first day. And partly because there was stuff to do, but also I was like super nervous coming there and just not like, I, I'm used to having somebody like maybe you or one of our other agents that were kind of 
hanging out together, going in together. Like you feel a little bit more comfortable walking into those things. I guess that that was your initial thought. Cause you didn't, you weren't nervous there. You had like the power. No, I was totally fine. Well, that's it. And like, honestly, I kind of enjoyed walking around by myself. Cause like every so often you just bump into somebody, you knew that you haven't probably seen for years since the pandemic. So that was good. Or just people that you've only seen, um, on social media or whatever. So that was good. And I think it helped me to realize that it's really all, not all that nerve wracking. And most people go to these conferences on their own and just end up meeting up with people. And I'm just not a good networker. So I always like go into these situations a little bit more nervous, but. I think though, this was the best environment I've been in as someone also who doesn't like the networking, mm-hmm. like the combination of so many people being removed from this for so long with all of us wearing big name tags as understated as that is like there's people we've never met before who we know from whatever their Facebook picture looks like. Right. And so, and it's the same thing for us. Like people probably didn't know who we were and then they saw the name tag and they're like, Oh, you're you. And we're like, Oh, you're you. And that made it less about networking and almost more like catching up or meeting an old friend and there was a lot of that. And I guess that comes with being in the industry and around people a little bit longer, mm. but we don't make a point of going out and meeting no. people in our industry too much. So God, no. yeah, I say too much at all, um, <laughs> but, but notwithstanding the kind of it's their job, but I didn't want to talk to them trade show element, like walking through and like head down and whatever, anytime somebody would bump into us or me or you and and start a conversation. It was good. And it was sort of by design, five minutes at a time. Like nobody wanted to be there to go off in a corner for an hour and a half and talk. It's true. Yeah. At least not you didn't have, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, but, I don't think, yeah, people had time to do that. There was stuff going on the whole time that it was just more in between things as people were going to and from. So it was good. Yeah. So I think from that, perspective. It was a good opportunity to catch up with people, to have some quick conversations, throw out there the let's meet up. Let's see. Let's let's do a follow-up episode in two months and see how many of the let's meet ups come to be. Um, but there are a handful of people who I hadn't seen or spoken to in a while. I'm like, oh crap. And I didn't even know that they were nearby, truthfully, because mm-hmm. all I've known them is is as a virtual connection. But yeah. uh the weather's better, like, and we're out more. So in a, in a lot of cases, I do hope this is a precursor to better conversations and relationship building with some of these people across the industry, which is pretty good. That was, that was a nice byproduct of this where I guess the, the design of the event is for that, but more so the stuff they're putting in your face is the trade show and it's the educational stuff and it's the speakers. It's kind of, those are usually the three elements. There was a fourth element, which I really liked, which maybe we'll talk about, which was like the health zone here, which maybe is considered part of the trade show, but nobody was selling anything there. I escaped hmm. there a few times. It was pretty cool. Hmm. I didn't get go my... there, unfortunately. It was, I was like taking dates there with me. I took one of our agents with me. I'm like, let's go get an oxygen blast. That was good. There was, But there was stuff going on I didn't even realize. They were giving away free massages in there. Oh, really? There was all kinds of like stuff. And it was just like a hidden gem where people see the word health, they shy away. I'm like, no. They're like, oh, no. Yeah. Like, I'm not here for health. I'm here for. That was like the people that saw, like I was doing the Rico booth for an afternoon and people saw Rico and they're like, ah, 
for in this, right. for those in Ontario or that are not in Ontario, it's it's our real estate regulator. Um, and yeah, just sitting there and they're like, oh, what's this? Free pens. And they look up and they're like, oh, Rico, just like run away. <laughs> <laughs> they just open their bag from 30 yards away and say, toss the pen. I'm not coming yeah. near you. Yeah, yeah. Not There's exactly. people, we, well, we know when we did the booth, I mean, everyone would do that uncomfortable wander, staring at what you are, staring at what yeah. you're giving away. And mm -hmm. very few would so be worth it to come up and talk. <laughs> do I want to have a conversation with these people? Yeah. But uh, hey, it's. I mean, you're there in theory, like you're there for one of these things. And if you're not there networking with people and you're not there going to the seminars, like you're walking around a trade show, are you really take, I guess you are taking an entire day just to accumulate pens and like yes, post-it I pads? believe, I, I honestly are. believe people are, yes. And that's yes. where, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, just go back. I won't dwell on the fact that that is not it, an effective way to spend your time. I kind of regret not getting free stuff because our kids love free stuff. They and like I just this time. They were pissed yeah. off. I know. I just, I, I didn't have nothing. a chance to go around. It just wasn't worth the cost benefit of talking to people. <laughs> so I'm like, meh. Well, because those aren't the people we're there to talk to. And honestly, it's, it's better for everybody that we don't take their pens. Yeah, like, but you can always use pens. We have pens. I mean, I, it, Ooh, to your true. point, it was more just coming home that the kids are like, what'd you get? Because like we yeah. did have the little like grocery bag flyers. that they give you. Yeah. That's all. I haven't even opened the bag yet. I don't know what's in there. Maybe there is a pen. recycling bin. Yeah, oh, would you say it's in the recycling bin? The the stuff that I brought home, my bag. Well, I never added anything to my bag. So whatever it oh. came with is what yeah, I got. Yeah, that's what I got too. It's all just yeah. ads. Okay. So yeah. poor kids. Yeah. Sorry, kids. Tough luck. You'll just have to use the pens we already have. Um, so anyway, okay. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know what sessions you went to. It was interesting. There, there was one one thing that I thought was maybe good, maybe bad. Was way more sessions than any individual had time or the ability to consume. So you had to be really selective, which again we talked about last week. And like, what is it I actually want? to learn and know and go to here. And I want to say there were eight to 10 sessions simultaneously running. Yeah. Like it was, it was a it was, lot. It was a lot. Yeah. And you had to pick. And a lot of the rooms were bursting at the seams. A couple of them, unfortunately were not, which was a little disappointing. Mm. Um, yeah. Especially yeah. given the subject matter, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I had to go to a couple because I was introducing the speaker in a couple. So for those, whether or not I would have chosen them is irrelevant, but I was able to take in some of the content there. Um, what about the ones that you went to? They were good, bad, ugly learnings. I, I honestly didn't go to too many. Um, I mean, Trevor Noah, I think was the biggest highlight of for the speakers. Yeah. The conference in terms of the speakers. Sorry. I, I you jumped right to the speakers. Yeah. yeah, that's okay. I'll, I'll go back to the, no, I'll go back That's to the, uh, the seminars. No, I only really went to one, I think. Um, and that was the diversity, um, just talking about racism and, and, and sexism and all the isms in real estate and beyond, um, and huge room, not huge room, big room, five people, five women there. And it was very unfortunate and really, I mean, it was, like very disappointing. Um, and this woman was amazing. The woman that was speaking her name, um, D D 
D-E-E is her first name, Rod- Rodrik, I think is how you pronounce her last name. But anyway, she was an excellent speaker. She's a lawyer, um, brought up a lot of great points, a lot of solutions, but also highlighting a lot of the issues that still exist today, um, not only in real estate, but in the workplace um, when it comes to issues of racism and, and sexism and things like that. And um, yeah, it's just... I think it's frustrating when you're a part of, I mean, even our own brokerage, like we can always do better, but you're also, you and I are, and everybody's a part of other organizations that profess that they are so focused on diversity and inclusion work, yet you don't show up to the things when they're available because it's, because you'd rather learn about how to do luxury real estate and how to do, and I, and I get it. It's a real estate conference. So obviously you want to consume real estate stuff. But these are the topics that are more important in my mind, and we're not making the time for them. And I'm not, I'm not meaning to sit up here on a high horse saying like, you guys all suck because like, I, I have a lot more work that I can do as well, but it's just, it starts with acknowledging that these issues exist and listening to people who experience these things and nobody's showing up for that. Nobody. So people yeah. will just continue thinking, oh, there's no problem. I don't see any problem. I never hear of issues. Of course, you never hear of issues because you're not a black person or you're not a woman or you're not a gay or lesbian person. Like, so anyway, I'm getting all razzled and dazzled. It was, it was, it's it just was so a, frustrating. It was a blatant <laughs> piss off is what it was like yeah. plain and simple that we know, and it's, you know what? It's the same thing with this podcast. We talk mm-hmm. about it as well. When we discuss real yeah. issues, yeah. people should listen to, like we mm-hmm. see the numbers we, and we're not, yeah. we're not doing this for likes and shares and whatever, yeah. but we constantly want to put things out there that should be discussed mm-hmm. and you need to put it out there and hope that those who need to hear it are going to mm-hmm. hear it yeah. or at a minimum enough people are going to hear it that they share the message with those who need to hear it. Right. Because mm-hmm. the problem is perpetuated by the fact that all those people who, and you're right, it's not a group of people who are wrong here, but there are mm-hmm. people who don't acknowledge there's a problem and mm-hmm. they're the ones least likely to even try to understand what the problem is. And again, I mean, this episode, we're not diving back into that, but what you experienced mm-hmm. at the seminar there or at that session, mm-hmm. that is the issue. Because yeah. I know to your point, I was in another session that was about trends in the condo market, which is very relevant. I'm not, I, I, anybody who's in that space should go there and should learn about it, but it was bursting. They were turning people away from the session yeah. and the session itself was the kind of stuff that, I mean, I guess any of these things you can consume by reading and you don't have to go to a conference to get them, but it was basically a big shitting on government. It was lobbying tax rules and it was the reason why condos are going to be tough to sell. Mm -hmm. Right. And useful information. But when you have 9,000, 10,000 people in the building and 5,000 of them are looking for free pens and 500 of them are going to this session. And then other sessions concurrently running sit empty with really, really useful topics. It's disappointing. Mm -hmm. 
I'm not disappointed oh. in individuals who went to other things. I'm not no. disappointed in, in really in any one person. It's just disappointing as a whole that this is where we sit as a society. Yeah. And it feels, and I know this isn't the intent sometimes, but sometimes it feels like this way that it's almost like the companies and people that put on conferences, it's like, it's like, oh, it's a check mark. Okay. We've got a diversity person check, you know, let's just show that we've got that yet. You're, I feel like you have to take it one step further with these things and, and put these these sessions on more of a platform, make it more known, put them on a stage that is more um, accessible to people or, or that is more in people's faces. Like, I, I don't know what it takes, but it just. I, I half agree with you there because you're right. I think these things are at the forefront because a lot of people's and a lot of people in back rooms are saying we need to do this because we need to do this, not because we want to do this. However, yeah. No, and I'm not this, I'm not saying that this wasn't done because of that. Well, like I'm just I'm just saying sometimes it feels that way. Well, but it, it, I'll take it a step further in this example as well that there were three keynote speakers at this conference. Yeah. Very big name prominent. You mentioned one of them, Trevor Noah. Mm -hmm. If you don't know, look it up. He's mm -hmm. a big deal, right? Mm -hmm. But it was also Billie Jean King who is should be to most as much or larger a celebrity with way more story. And in a lot of ways, I shouldn't say more story, but as relevant, as interesting a story. And then Dr. Bernice A. King, mm -hmm. Martin Luther King Jr.'s daughter, who has mm -hmm. been running the Martin Luther King Jr. Foundation since its inception, effectively. She is like the, whatever you would call it, the head of that. And a civil rights active uh, civil rights activist, mm -hmm. as prominent as there is in the world, yeah. And she was a keynote speaker put on the large stage, and the crowd that came to see her in the exact same room as Trevor Noah was a quarter that of who came to see the celebrity and razzle dazzle of a Trevor Noah. And don't get me wrong, there was still a thousand plus people in there and it was a good crowd, but it was a different kind of upsetting. It was the same thing on a bigger stage to your point where, mm -hmm. you know, you could say whatever you want about time of day or where it was in the conference or things like that. But I mean, there was also a diversity panel that was run as part of the conference where people were yeah. brought, like it, it, there was just, all we can do, I shouldn't say all we can do, you can always do more, but what was done was creating as many opportunities and putting them in front of people to give them the opportunity to consume the message in different ways, right? Even the Trevor Noah message in some ways was tied to that because he's an individual who grew up in apartheid um, and didn't have the opportunity or wouldn't have thought the opportunity existed to grow to be the celebrity he is. And that's part of his story, but that's really not why he was there, right? Mm -hmm. You bring Dr. King in, that's a story about accepting one another, about moving forward as a society with the, and how she's done it, mm -hmm. right? And how to share the message. And 
a lot of people were in there, but it's it's what's frustrating is not so much the attendance numbers wise. It's who's the who are the people who are consuming it, and you and it just feels like it's all the people who share and agree with the message. It's always the same people. But whatever the topic is, I'm saying it's mm -hmm. it's though it's it's the people who kind of get that narrative already. They're not the ones who are there to, maybe they're there to enhance their knowledge and that's great. And I feel like for anybody who was it, like for the, the session you went to, five people or not, you learned a few things there that you didn't know before, right? You went with a knowledge and you grew it, but those who need to enter the ring in the first place never do. Yeah. Or don't as often as they should when the when it's given to them as a as a as a option an option yeah. so anyway yeah okay well let me let me just say some like a couple things i learned from this because it was still very valuable it was a good um, rant though i know figured we would do that um so one one example that she gave in her uh presentation and i i know we've heard of some of these things before but um, when it comes to a real estate appraisal, um, it was a white husband, black wife. Um, they lived in a predominantly white neighborhood and they expected a valuation of their home around 450,000 and it came in at 330,000. So the bank then agreed that the value was off. So they ordered a second appraisal. And before they did that, before they had the appraiser come in, they removed all the evidence of blackness, um, like all pictures of the wife, the kids, all that kind of stuff. The husband welcomed the appraisers into the home and then the home appraised for $465,000. Um, and these are, these are very common scenarios that happen, not only in the U.S., because a lot of people say, oh, this is just the U.S. It's not. Um, it happened recently in, in Ontario, I believe, um, as well. So in, in Oakville, I think it was a story came out about this. So this is, this is stuff that still exists. So for those that don't agree that racism exists in real estate, it, it very well, it very much does. Um, so that was just an example, but the one thing, um, I really took away from it, um, was the difference between, well, basically there's three, three types of people when it comes to racism and diversity work, there's the actors, the allies, and the accomplices and actors just kind of like, fake that they, you know, are for it, but don't do much about it. Um, and then allies can, is they're willing to stand in support of a marginalized voice, but there's rarely any risk involved in that. And then accomplices, um, they are allies, but not all allies are accomplices and accomplice uses the power and privilege they have to challenge the status quo often, often risking their physical and social well-being in the process. So, um, obviously they take it to the, to the max when it comes to, um, helping individuals that are marginalized. And so I thought that was very interesting and kind of helped made you think, made me think about, you know, where I stand in that, because I definitely have a lot of work to do when it comes to getting to that point of accomplice. And she did say, you know, you can Google, um, things to say, or, uh, I guess things to say to people when they make a racist comment, like just very, you know, helpful, um, few word answers or something to help redirect the conversation or, or highlight how that was racist or whatever it might be. 
And the more you're comfortable with saying those things, like just say it to yourself, practice it on your own. So when these sorts of things come up and a racist thing is said, or, you know, a bunch of guys talking about a girl in a really horrible way, like you just, you feel more comfortable just because you've said it so many times that it kind of just rolls off your tongue and you're feeling more comfortable with, with what to say in those situations. Cause I think a lot of us, and it's not an excuse, but when we do hear something like that, especially for pe with people that are colleagues or close friends or whoever it is, and you're just like stunned and you're not sure, you obviously don't support it, but at the same time, it's hard to take that next step forward to really um, point it out and call it out. So yeah, I thought that was interesting. I think that segues well into actually a couple of the things that Dr. King said. Mm. In, a, in an interesting way, because I will say the theme of all the speakers for me was they took what I thought to be, here's the here's that packaged argument I'm expecting, or here's that message I'm expecting. And in different ways, they all kind of blindsided me with another way of looking at it mm -hmm. that was not consistent with what I thought they were going to say, which in itself is a lesson because we always assume we know what's coming with people and relationships in general, but that's sidebar. But as it comes based on what you just said, um, the real message that she was saying in how to make progress and how she's made progress and how her dad made progress is making very sure that you're able to deliver that message that you're talking about to someone who is not doing the right thing in a way that doesn't come in any sort of an accusatory way. Mm. It It's yeah. not laced in your wrong. It's not mm -hmm. laced in your bad, nothing like that, but more, I guess, as a discussion or a question. And this is similar to yeah. what Laura. Laura Morlock has said to us in the past yeah. when, when she's dealing with sexism and questions, you know, why is that funny? Rather yeah. than saying that's wrong, right? right? Um, yeah. And one, one story that, Dr. King said uh, was about, and I didn't even know this story and it, I figure it would be, maybe it's just because we're not in the States. I think a lot of these things are maybe rooted much bigger down South, but in the state of Mississippi, where the state flag has the Confederate flag as part of it, which is a symbol of racism and, and a whole a multitude of things is just, it is a symbol that should be taken away. Yeah. Um, there was a woman in Mississippi who was campaigning against that flag or, or, or taking that Confederate flag element out of it. And uh, I, I'm going to butcher the specifics, but she had a prominent individual um, in the neighborhood or in her community who had that flag proudly waving in front of his house um, and, and spoke to him, had him over. Maybe they were neighbors. I don't remember what it was, but they had the discussion and he knew that she was against the flag and she was campaigning against it. Um, and all she said to him, rather than attacking him, which is what he was prepared for was what does that flag mean to you? Mm. And he told, and I mean, it, there was valid points that he brought up that were not rooted in racism. Obviously he didn't say it means to me, you know, we need to like, we need to celebrate slavery or things like that, but it was still, yeah. it was a way for him to accept and listen and try to understand his point of view. And subsequent to that, he asked her, what does that mean to mm -hmm. you? Mm -hmm. You're not always going to get that, but 
they had a very meaningful discussion and he didn't go right home right away and take the flag down. But within a year, he not only took the flag off his property, but joined her in the mm -hmm. fight against the flag. And last year, Mississippi changed their state flag. Wow. And it's no longer got that. So, and I didn't even know Mississippi had changed their state flag. And so like, I heard, like, I just thought the, the, the win was that the guy took it off his front lawn. I'm like, good for you. Change the mind of one person. That's amazing. But not only that, but he joined the fight against it and mm -hmm. helped lobby as a white prominent man. I'm sure in a lot of ways, like those are the voices when we talk about allies and accomplices, he did that, you know, in the face of probable, you know, maybe not persecution, but just, you know, people getting in his face, losing friends, taking a lot of abuse yeah. and it worked in the end. Yeah. So I, I thought that that was really interesting as a message there that it's about, you can't change somebody if it's always adversarial. Like yeah. you need to understand that going after something that's not right in your eyes or in reality, whatever it is, it's not going to happen if you do it from a position of uh, me versus you, yeah. or I need to change you. You've got yeah. to start finding a common ground, understand each other. And if you make the effort hard as it is to try to understand the person who is doing something wrong, that is the path to getting them to start to understand you. Not every time, mm -hmm. but if you want to yeah. actually impact them and make change, you fortunately or unfortunately, a lot of times are going to have to meet them on their turf, on their level. Yeah. Well, and that uh, actually segues into the, what Trevor Noah was saying as well and how he likes to talk to people and ask their perspectives. Like he'll be at the dinner table and it's like, you know, throws Brings out like, on arguments. Yeah. yeah, almost. Yeah, exactly. And it's not to argue, but it's to understand different people's perspectives and where they stand on things and just potentially to guide him towards a different perspective or sometimes to hopefully help somebody else see a different way of, of thought. So I thought that that was really, it, it is because I think our first reaction when these things are said is to be com combative. Like it's just, that's the natural tendency. And this isn't like, let's, let's take a step out of racism and the isms. And like, this isn't just about that. This is about. Not even negotiating. Anything. Right. Like yeah. th this, this was, I mean, I thought in a great way, leveraging those sorts of big, deep topics that people are afraid to talk about and mm -hmm. still connecting it to the world we're in of real estate and business and relating with our families and whatever it is. This is just about communication in general. Yeah. Um, so sorry, go ahead. No, that was, that was all uh, I was going to say. But I mean, yeah, I, th I think I was very pleasantly surprised by, Tre I mean, I was obviously looking forward to seeing Trevor Noah, like the fanboy in me wanted to see him and wanted to hear some good jokes and all that. Yeah, it um, was I I felt like it was lacking on the joke side of things. That's that's what I liked. That that for me that was mm. it wasn't him with a mic. It was it was and all of these keynote speakers were there as a call it a fireside chat whatever. I mean it was it was a host or a moderator asking yeah. questions. It was an interview mm -hmm. for an hour. But I thought he balanced the humor as a mechanism to deliver his message in a way 
-hmm. that wasn't just a stand-up comedy routine. Like it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't, I mean, there was nonstop funny moments. I thought like I was laughing, like there was a lot of like belly laughs throughout the thing. Maybe it's just me. Maybe not for you. You had to like, <laughs> whatever. But, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the thing is there was wisdom in what he said. Right. And it, yeah, it was, just, it was really, it was refreshing. No, 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 I thought, I thought it was great. I just, I, you know what? I, I went in thinking it would be more of like a stand up routine. So right. it definitely, like, I was like, and then like it was an hour. So you're kind of sitting there and it just, um, I don't know. I would have liked a, a I was, tad I was, more entertainment. I was eating it up. I was eating up the whole thing. I could have gone. You knew you were going <laughs> to, you're going to get a picture with him after you had the meet and greet. It's fancy. Well, I mean, but then shouldn't I have wanted it to end earlier? Then I would have wanted to get to that quicker. But anyway, no, I thought oh, I'm joking. Well, I'm joking. What, no, I know. I mean, gonna... everybody's got different perspectives, and yeah. Well, okay. Well, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like the one thing with me that stood out more than anything, and there there was a lot of stuff in there, um, but I don't want to recreate the stuff he said because I won't re-deliver it the same way. But the one thing that really got me was when he talked about authenticity. Yes. Yes, and this was, was this mine. was right at the end. Oh, were you going to talk about that too? Do you want to jump in? You can jump no, in. No, I've got no, other go things ahead. to talk go about. Go no, ahead. please. Be your authentic self. <laughs> no, I go ahead. I mean, it was just authenticity needs context is is the whole thing I thought was well, that, very that's, important yeah. to remember. We'll, we'll build on that. Okay, I will. Um, yeah, so he just said how everybody is always preaching the importance of authenticity and how it's such a valued characteristic in people. But authenticity without context is not a good thing, really, because if you're not taking into context what, what your environment is, like if you're, you know, in a church, for example, and you're normally a very outgoing, like swears all the time and like just really loud type of person. Like you're not going to yeah. walk into a church, um, being your authentic self and like swearing all over the place. Like, you know, you've got to have some context in the environment you're in. So I think what was nice about that to me was that, you know, sometimes when we're talking about these things, like be yourself and be authentic, like, you know, it, the pendulum kind of swings a little bit too far to one side where it's just like, you know, be yourself and not really care, you know, about anybody else or what, what kind of environment you're in. So you have to have some responsibility, I think, to the authenticity that you're bringing to every situation. Um, so it's just about keeping that in mind. And I thought that that was a really interesting perspective. He just thought he turned the whole concept on its head in a way that made a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Like, this is what we tell everybody. Everyone's what? always dropping. You need to be authentic. You're going to be successful. People are going to like when you're authentic. People know when you're not being authentic. Da -da -da -da. This is what we talk about this. Like, and, and it's true, but we don't define it well enough to ensure that people are being authentic and kind of turning the right dials of authenticity given the situation, right? Like like you said, like loud swearing, all that, that's me, right? I would be that everywhere, not in an angry way, but I'm just like, I'm a potty mouth. It's what I am, right? But like the situations don't always lend themselves well to that. Like he yeah. used the example of someone listening to loud music 
like someone who likes to listen to loud music. That's how they listen to music. Their authentic self is into blasting music. But if you're in a public place, you're on a plane, whatever, you don't just do that. Like mm -hmm. sometimes your fully authentic self is a dickhead in the environment that you're in. And you're not being told to be authentic so that everybody truly judges the real you 100% all the time. Or you're going to have a lot of people saying, I believe the example he used is some would say, yeah, your authentic self is an asshole. Like yeah. that's not what you want. And it doesn't mean you are one, but it's, you're not respecting the situation. So what you said, yeah. I mean, authenticity with context, it means you can still be yourself, but you need to be able to select the elements of yourself that fit a particular situation. And I think that that's a really important thing people need to understand. You're not being fake with the rest of you. It's just, you're not being all out there with everything you're finding the elements that make sense and being able to to read the room mm -hmm. which is something i think we talk about as well um another thought that he that he had that was kind of a quick one but it also stuck with me was what he called the paradox of success which he was talking about ups and downs in life i think the question he was asked was like can you talk about a bit of the ups and downs you've gone through and he's gone through a lot we all have and i think the crux of his point is that we all have and we all will there's no such thing as constant ups or constant downs but the paradox of success that he was talking about is that in by definition having success brings you to the highest high which means it will be followed by something lower Right. And so in order to have success, you need to experience the opposite or a lesser enjoyment on either side of the success. And I think that that's, it might've come across, I guess it depends on whether you're glass half full and glass half, glass half empty. And in this particular case, I'm actually glass half full, hard as it is to believe. Surprise, surprise. Um, but I think that that should be the motivating element of when you're in the dumps, when you're feeling down the same way that when you're down, you know, success, like there's ups ahead of you. And also to center yourself that when you're winning, you don't get complacent, right? You win, it's going to come back down to earth. So humble yourself a little bit. But also when that happens, know that the next step is another win. If you kind of stick to the plan and stick to understanding that that's what life is all about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I thought that that was interesting. Um, it was really just a quick one-liner he put out there, but I it was, it got me thinking. I went into my own world for like five minutes. So I don't know what he said after that. Just kind of making mental notes when he dropped that one. Yeah. Well, I think, I think we expect life to be smooth and it's just, we're constantly setting ourselves up for disappointment. Yeah. So changing that mindset that yes, there's ups, but there's also downs and it's going to come in waves and we just figure out how to deal with it. And the down waves are the areas where you learn more about yourself and you learn how to get through certain situations and it makes you stronger at the end of the day. But I think a lot of times we play the victim card and think, oh, it's always, it's always something never, never works out for me kind of thing. Well, it yeah. just, it never works out for anybody if you're expecting perfection or, you know, good all the time. Well, yeah. Was it, I don't remember if it was him who, when he, when you're talking about um, 
learning things. Was it him who dropped the whole idea that learning by definition proves that you're wrong? Was he the one who said that? He might have said that. I don't know, it, remember. It was, an, it was another interesting thing, like talking about how for uh, all of us believe we're right until proven wrong. Like that's just how we live. Our, our yes, point of yeah, view is right. Yeah, he did talk about that. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So he was saying learning, which is something that's a positive thing mm -hmm. that we all strive to learn more. Like it's it's our nature. It's something that we want to do. When you learn something, that's proof that you were wrong about something. Yeah. Which is also a really interesting way to think about it, because once you've learned it, now you're right about something, I guess. But in order to learn it, you didn't know it beforehand, which means whatever it is, not knowing something is the equivalent of being wrong about something. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't sound as harsh. And right. so when you when you put learning into that context, or when you put being wrong into that context, I think it makes it a little bit easier for some of us, at least, to accept the fact that we're not right about everything. Yeah. Right? Like exactly. if learning is such a good thing, we're obviously striving to be right about more things that we aren't right about right now. Mm -hmm. And that ties back to perspectives on people as much as it does about learning things in textbooks. Like it's just the way that we think needs to be... Um, looked at through different spheres than what we're what we're used to. So the, those were different things he said that took me down a path of not what I was expecting, not just because I was expecting to say funny things, because I think the way he delivered them probably had some jokes wrapped around them. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm happy to go and see somebody and be shocked by what I leave with, that it wasn't just the packaged thing and maybe he does say that to every interview he does everywhere, but it's nice to hear things that are out of character for somebody that actually make you think. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think it's, I don't think it was like a canned thing because when you have somebody interviewing you and asking you questions, I would imagine that they're probably different than what you, what you get with somebody else or hopefully maybe it was that's, all planned out. Why, maybe yeah, it was all it was, scripted. Who knows? Well, <laughs> I'd like I, to did, think that it didn't yeah. seem that it was. I mean, I know with a couple of the other ones, like you had the interviewee flat out say to the interviewer, no, that's not true or no, mm -hmm. that's wrong. And when you do right. that, it's, it's not a canned question unless you really want to be self-deprecating as an interviewer. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I thought that he was really good. I thought that Dr. King, although an upsetting turnout to her, had a great message. Um, yeah. And then uh, Billie Jean King was the third keynote, mm -hmm. which was also, I mean, it was, it was more of the message, I guess, people were expecting from the perspective of how she's lived her life and, and broken barriers for women and in sport and uh, up until today, I mean, I, I don't know how old she is, but she's, I think, almost 80. It was 50 years ago mm. to this year when she won the match, um, which really changed a lot of the landscape of the sports world and perspective on women in sports. Um, so a lot of the discussion was around that. Um, one thing stuck out with me in her talk, which was she was she took the argument of practicing the things that you're not good at and didn't yeah. say that's not important, but she mm -hmm. said, people don't realize that champions spend the most time practicing the things they are good at. Hmm. Yeah. And that's an interesting thing too, which I never really thought about because everybody's always about, obviously you learn from mistakes and when you're not good at something, you want to make it better. And she said that definitely like, you don't just forget about the stuff that you suck at. 
Yeah. But to be really great, enhance, maintain, and build upon the things that you're already great at. Mm -hmm. And that really keeps you at that level. And I think in some ways, yeah. she didn't say this, but I think that also probably fulfills you more. Like it feels good to do things you're good at generally. And For so sure. Like, yeah. Well, I think we learned that early on as kids because when a kid comes home with a crappy mark on a, on a test and a good mark on another test, we're constantly focusing on the negative. Like why, why did you get such a bad mark on this? You need to do better. You need to practice more on this rather than really celebrating the better mark. And how can you even do better the next time kind of thing? It's just the way our minds tend to work is like, you just always need to be good in everything, which isn't true. We all know we're not good at everything. And as kids, I think we're more in tune with that than grownups are because mm -hmm. like I didn't take another science class after the last mandatory one that I had mm -hmm. in high school because I couldn't stand it. I didn't get it. I didn't like it. So I'm not going to keep taking science courses. That was my mm -hmm. mindset then. I'm going to take the courses of the stuff that I like and that I'm good at and I'm going to get really good marks and I'm going to go down that path because it's what I'm interested in. Um, and it ties to business. Like when, when we talk, about not getting foggy on all the stuff you're not doing or not focused on as a realtor or as a business person. Build on the good stuff, recognize who you are and what you're good at and take the time to make it better and to be the best at that, right? Mm -hmm. If you're already in the top 10%, get in the top 5% instead of trying to round yourself with a little bit of everything. So that that was a good message from her. I did not catch any of the tennis balls she hit into the crowd. It was like a it was like a Backstreet oh, really? Boys concert. I wasn't there. Oh, at the end, it, I mean that in itself was cool. Just seeing Billie Jean King hitting tennis balls like into an auditorium, but it's pretty yeah, impressive. She hit like yeah. she hit like a hundred of them, and it was just like you'd think Jeez. it was like the Beatles in the '60s, the way people were like screaming with their arms in the air. But uh, anyway, so yeah, I mean that this the speakers were awesome. I thought the seminars there were a lot of them, and and less about the content for me and more about just identifying what people were doing with their time and and whether people chose the right path for themselves which is kind of building on last last week's discussion mm. um my gut tells me they didn't i think people just went to what looked sexiest to them well, I'm sure people learn stuff though. It's not like they didn't learn anything. Oh, no, no, they probably learned stuff. And I mean, in building off the last point, maybe people did enhance skills at which they were already good. So that's fine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I do have a, I share a frustration when it comes to messaging and things that are there and useful and should be heard. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess, I guess it's contradictory to what we just said, where people feel well, I don't need that or I don't like to hear that. So I'm not going to go to that. Like that's the mm -hmm. attitude, right? Or this is more appealing to me than that. And yeah. I'm being given a choice. So I'm going well, to choose that path. I, I mean, and I wonder if this is just how society operates now that we don't, we only focus on the stuff that's going to give us immediate, um, something like is something back in a more immediate way, whether it's, you know, how do I grow my business quicker or how do I make sure, you know, I don't know, like it, it's just the stuff that's more immediate. We don't want to extend beyond that. It's like when I was working at the Rico booth, 
everybody that was working there, we had like a, a, a full, full information on, you know, your, how to make sure your social media is compliant, but most importantly, like the new rules that are coming out in the next little while and like what you need to know and like sign up for our AGM and you can hear a, a whole panel discussion on this and get your questions answered and all that. And it's like, no, I'm good. I just want your free pen. I don't, I don't need to like, and there was one woman working there. She's like, you, like, you don't even want to know about these new rules. And they're like, no, I'm good. What? Like, it's true. Hey, but, but, but it's you're like, right. is it giving me anything right now? No. Am I getting in trouble? Cause I don't know about it. Not yet. But until you like need to do it, it's the same thing with like your real estate courses, right? I'm, I need to renew my, my registration by June 5th. Have I finished my courses? No. Will I finish them? I will, but I'm waiting to the absolute last minute because I could probably know these things earlier on, but you know, people just choose to, to do what's immediate right mm -hmm. in your face. And, and they don't want to extend beyond that. It's just like kind of a natural instinct. The shiny things will continue to distract us as well. And marketers yeah. know that. And everybody who was there knew that something shiny would be better. Like when I was working the Treb booth there, and it was more like a, information about the conference, one person came up to me and said, do you know where the popcorn is? All these people are walking around with free popcorn. And I'm like, I think it, it, it's it's down mm -hmm. in this direction. And I mean, we had things to say too. I'm like, like have you had an opportunity? Like, get to know them, get to know these people. What? What are you mm. here for? What are you this? They're a member. They've been a member for a while. Oh, have you heard about the changes that are coming for your real estate business experience? Like the software that you're going to be pretty soon using. Being to use, yeah. Right? No, no, no I don't know. Like, like, why is that here somewhere? Yeah, it's right over there. Like, do you want me to show you? Like, no, 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 no. It's just, I'll go to the popcorn. I'll get there later. They never went. No one's yeah. going. Like, they're not there not generalizing, but most people aren't there to consume things to make them better. They're mm -hmm. there to consume things <laughs> and, yeah. th and that's it. And it is the immediate, it's the distraction. And like we said last week, the conferences themselves can be nothing more than a distraction if you're not there with a reason to be there and with a goal mm -hmm. and objective to come out of it with. Yeah. Yeah. Although yeah. a lot of people's goal was free pens and popcorn. And there were slushies right. this time too. Yes. Yeah, I didn't get good. one. That's very, um, it was hot in that room. So definitely. You're going to say the slushie was hot. That's kind no. of gross. No, it was good. It was a good consistency. Didn't get all dried up and icy. It's good. Good to the last drop anyway. So that all was right. it. Well, that's, that's, uh, the, the conference in a nutshell. Lots of learnings. And honestly, just from what we've talked about, I mean, that really is, I don't want to say it was the tip of the iceberg, but we didn't take in 80% of what was there because we were in certain spots and had responsibilities. And if that's what we were able to get with 20% of our time. Just imagine. Just imagine if you were there or when you go to the next one, plot it out and go find the stuff that's going to be helpful yeah. to you. Just go yeah. do it. And then do your own podcast episode and talk with other people about it. That's right. We're the Coles notes if you didn't go this time or if you were there just getting free pens there. Mm -hmm. Hopefully you've learned a few things now. That's right. All awesome. Right. Well, have a great, well, actually, by the time this comes out, I guess happy long weekend, everybody who celebrates Victoria Canada. Day if you're in Canada. Is this a long weekend in the States? I don't know. I don't know what the holidays are in the States. I feel like it might be. I feel like our... 
I think isn't it like something? <laughs> one one of our kids today, because they do yell at Google when they want to know anything. What did they yell this morning? Hey Google, what holiday is it today? And apparently today was oh, National yeah. National Women in Aerospace Day. So that's what today is. Isn't no, I thought that was tomorrow. I think today's like a cake day. Oh Memori- yeah, yeah. Today's today's a cake day. Memorial Day is in the States, but that's not okay. until May 29th. Oh. So that's the following week. Mm. All right. So our, for our listeners in the States, you got one more week till the long well, weekend. But... To them, have a good Memorial Day weekend next week. To everybody else, hope right. you had a good long weekend. Keep fit and have fun. <laughs> it's funny. Our American listeners wouldn't get that, I don't think. That's Participation true. was very... You're missing out, folks, in the States. Hal Johnson and Joanne McLeod are national treasures. Take care. Later.